Amen. That was, uh, I just feel like Donnie always, and his team always finds a way to hit it out of the park every Sunday, but that was just phenomenal. And we're going to be talking about just being in awe, and I appreciate music that sets my heart in awe uh, of God this morning. Uh, thank you, Donnie, and, and the worship team for that. Um, so what we're going to do this morning is close out our series on uh, membership, uh, church membership, the greatest privilege in the world. Uh, and so what I want us to do, it's going to kind of serve as, as, all, as a, a little bit of a review uh, and also just, just a challenge of what God may do if we as a church are as devoted as, as maybe we should be and what he's calling us to be. Um, what I want to do this morning is take a close look at the early church, okay? Because we've talked about how now, you've got to be committed to God in your personal life. You've got to be going hard after God. Um, you've got to love the church members that you're, you're with and, and care for and love them. Uh, and and you've got to be concerned about the world outside. And you've got to be going hard after, uh, after loving the people outside and trying to get the gospel to them. And so that's all a void point unless we can look at the early church and and I find it's always good to go back to the prototype, right, to what, the way it was in the beginning to see if what we're aiming for now is what we should be aiming for. And so we want to kind of look at them and say, hey, do they pass the test of what we've been talking about uh, the last several weeks? Uh, and look at how God worked in them because of that. And so turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 2, uh, verses 40 through 47. We're going to uh, see, this is what's, what's happening after uh, Pentecost, after uh, Peter preaches this amazing sermon, lays out the gospel, uh, talks to them about how they crucified Christ and how they need to repent. And, and we're going to see um, all these people come to Christ, and then we get a record of what happens next. And so Acts chapter 2, verses, uh, we'll start with verse 41, actually. says this, so those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. Can you imagine if today 3,000 souls were added to our church and how, how, what that would be like, how amazing that would be, but also asking the question, what now? What now? And we see what they did now. Verse 42, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers, and all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as many had need. And day by day, attending to the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. This is the word of God. So first I want to see, do they pass the test of having a devotion, we've been talking about having devotion and pursuing God personally. Uh, do they pass that test? And we'll, we see that, of course, the early church had a devotion to God, a deep 
devotion. It says in verse 41, So those who received his word and were baptized, and there were added to that day about 3,000 souls. So these people received the word of God, many of them at, at great cost. They received the word of God, and they said, that is, that's, that's, that's what we believe. We receive the gospel of Christ. And what they do next is they devoted themselves to the teaching. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching is what this says. Um, these, these new people that came to the church had a natural hunger to know more about God, to, to know what His Word says. And we've talked a lot about this in the series, so I'm not going to belabor this point a lot. But if we're going to be the church members that we need to be, we have to have a hunger, a devotion as they had to the teachings of God. We have to. Our church has to be based, the foundation of our church has to be based on the teachings of Scripture. How we live our lives as Christians has to be devoted to to scripture and it's more than just my sermon on sunday if that's all you're relying on to know god's word i I pity you we see a people that were devoted to the teachings they wanted as much of it as they can get they wanted to apply as much as they could to their lives They were devoted to the teaching. We also see that they were given to all. They were given to all. Verse 43, And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. Many of us lack a sense of awe of of God in our lives. You know, most of us, we came to church this morning, And we didn't expect God to do anything amazing in this service and in our day. We're not expecting God to just do anything in our hearts or in the hearts of the people sitting around us and and for God to do something that we honestly can't explain outside of His Spirit doing something amazing here. Earlier, many of us sang, sang these words, Jesus sought me when a stranger wandering from the, the fold of God, he rest, to rescue from the danger, interposed his precious blood. You know, we sang those words, many of us, or didn't sing them, and we just, well, yeah, yeah, he, he saw me when a stranger, I'm awesome. Instead of being moved by, no, I was a stranger, and he, he put his blood upon me, and being moved in awe by what we sing, we just come so often and we just sing the words with no impact in our hearts and in our minds. And I'm guilty of that as well. I'm guilty of being down there thinking about my sermon and, and all kinds of things instead of the, the amazing words that we are to be singing. And we had so many amazing words to be in awe of this morning. We see a people here who were eaten up by awe of God, and God was doing incredible things in their midst. And I believe the biggest challenge facing the church today is having a sense of awe in God. 
we're just, we're way too casual. I've been rereading uh, R.C. Sproul. He passed away recently and just in nostalgia, rereading his book, the, the classic book, The Holiness of God, uh, an amazing book. Uh, we actually have hundreds of copies here at the church if you, want, if you want one. But what's amazing about that book is he just unfolds in that book encounters with God in the Scripture. And it's just amazing to see the, the in, people encountering the holiness of God. We see men just absolutely changed by all. Moses, timid and, and, and afraid of how he's going to speak, comes before the burning bush and is forever changed and becomes one of the greatest leaders ever known to man. Isaiah stands before God and, and when he sees God, he has a nervous breakdown. If he says, here am I, send me, I want to go for you, God. One glimpse of that all made him want to go and tell of what he had seen. Paul, who was just absolutely committed to the destruction of the church, one glimpse at the risen Christ being blinded by it. His life was forever changed because he was in awe of what he had seen. Many men in the Scriptures were destroyed by the lack of all. By the lack of all. Uzzah, who, man, just tried to do a good deed, right? The, the, the ark is on a cart, which it's not supposed to be. They hit a pothole. The ark starts to come off. Uzzah reaches out thinking, hey, my hands are cleaner than the dirt, and reaches out to try to steady the ark. God says, no, your hands are not cleaner than the dirt. You're a sinful man, and you don't touch my ark, and he kills him. The sons of Aaron who think, okay, it's okay for us to offer this fire in sacrifice. It'll be fine or absolutely destroyed by the wrath of God. Ananias and Sapphira in the, in the New Testament who, who hid, and, and, and hid their money and, and thought that God didn't see were struck down. That's another thing. We, we look in the New Testament and we think, well, you know, all that awe and that really like scary stuff is in the Old Testament. And then we, we, need, we need to reread the accounts of Jesus. I mean, think about, for instance, the story of when, when the, the, the disciples are out in the storm and they're scared of the storm, we're going to die. We need Christ. We need, we need help. And so Christ, you know, gets up and he, he, he silences the storm. And, you know, we read that and as children, like we think the, the, the point of that story is that, hey, Jesus does cool tricks and Jesus will calm the storms of, storms of our life. If you reread that story, you'll see that after the, the storm is calm, then it says the disciples were sore afraid. They were more afraid. A storm they can get, a man who the storm listens to, blows their minds and scares them even more. Or the story of the miraculous catch of fish, and it's another one of the stories we, we tell our kids, and hey, isn't Jesus great because he, he, he gives us stuff in our life, and and when we read that story, what is, Peter, what is Peter's reaction in that moment? He drops to his knees and says, Depart from me! I'm a sinful man. When he sees 
the, the amazing power of Christ, his response is, I can't be here. I need you to go away. I can't be in your holiness. And folks, if you want to know why we're not great church members, it's because we're not people of awe in the beauty and the majestic, the, the, the majestic, uh, majestic God, the power, the danger of our God, that is why our church membership so often falls short. All in God changes a person to their core, and the church of God today is way too casual with the holiness of our God. All of God is that thing which causes all other things to fall into place. Look what Paul Tripp says. He says this, When all of God has captured your heart, ministry will fill your schedule. You won't need the church to schedule ministry for you. You will approach work, marriage, parenting, extended family, friendships, and community with a ministry mentality. The number one thing that all of us need in our desire to, have, to be a good church member is first off to be like these early Christians and have an awe of God. I can sit here all day and tell you that, hey, you should join the church, or I, should, I could tell you, hey, you need to be here more. You need to be more committed. But until you and I have an awe of of God will never be dedicated church members. It's just the reality of it. We see that they were devoted to prayer. If you were to ask me our greatest weakness as a church, I, I would have to. I don't like talking about weaknesses of our church, but they're there. I would say it is a lack of, of prayer. Lack of prayer would be pretty close to the top of that list. And I'm saying that reflects leadership. I'm not saying that's your fault. And I'm not saying that we don't have public prayer in our service. And I'm not saying that people, that you aren't praying at home. I'm not saying that we don't have a great uh, prayer ministry on Wednesday night that's, that's praying for people and sending out cards. But what I'm talking about is just spontaneous prayer. I heard about a Sunday school class in our church recently that someone was having a health issue and in the class, the Sunday school teacher said, can we pray for you? And the class gathered around and laid hands. Hey, you know, we could do that as Baptists. That's in the Bible. It's okay. They laid, laid hands on this suffering person and prayed in Sunday school. I've seen, there's been occasions where I'll after service I'll see someone a couple of uh, of our members talking and then they'll pray and I'm like yeah but you know what those shouldn't be the exceptions those should be the rule of our church prayer should be breathing to us as church members as we come together as we are apart we should always be praying for one another and, and praying about the concerns of our life it should be the breath of our church. We shouldn't say, oh, get a prayer request, say, oh, I'll, I'll put that on the list. Which, you say that, and some of you don't even have a list. 
and you forget about it by the time you hit the door, why not pray there? That way you know you at least did it once. Let's be people of, of prayer. They were devoted to prayer. You also see that they were, the early church was not just devoted to God in these ways. They were devoted to one another. Verses uh, 44 through 46, you'll be hard-pressed to find a paragraph anywhere that shows a people more together than this paragraph. It says, And all who believed were together and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing to the proceeds to all as any had need, and day by day attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes. We see here that they were, they were devoted to serving one another generously. And, and we don't have time to go into this. This is not communism. A lot of people go to this verse and say, see, the early Christians were communists. They weren't by force being, having their stuff taken from them by government, then redistributed. That's not what was happening here. This was people that they were together, and as someone had a need, someone might say, you know, I've got something I can sell. I can make sure your family has the food they need. It was voluntary, and it was joyful taking care of one another. And, and I can't even imagine what it was like to, to, to love Christ so much that it's as if you have all things in common. We see that they were devoted to gathering together to worship together. We see that they, in the early church, we have a meeting in the, at the temple, as it talks about here in the early days, before things got a little rough. They were meeting in the temple. We know from uh, Acts 19 that Paul met in the synagogues and taught. At one point, Paul did preaching. Uh, it, was, it was probably a lecture hall in the school, the school of Tyrannus. But more often than not, uh, it seems they met in homes. Uh, there weren't church buildings on every corner like we have now. And the early church seemed to just be simply looking for a shady spot for us to get together. It was not as important to the early church about where we meet, what our building looked like, or as far as, hey, we got to meet. Where are we going to meet? We'll meet here or there, but we got to meet. We got to be together. We got to break bread together. We've got to encourage one another. We've got to get into this apostles' teaching together. And, and there even seems to be an, a, a, an attitude or a practice of daily interaction. I don't know what it looked like exactly, but it seems like there was in some way daily interaction with your fellow, the, the people in church with you, the church in Jerusalem. And I know I've talked to, uh, I've heard from a pastor in Iraq, you know, where there's a lot of persecution. Churches tend to be, be together a lot more, maybe even daily. Uh, as well and I'm not saying that we as a church need to have a meeting at the church every night we we need to be out in our community loving people we need to be at home discipling our kids but we need to have a heart that desires to be together to gather together to 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 seek even meeting outside of formal meetings and, and having people into our homes to, to have dinner and, and to bring our families together and love one another. I don't know that there's enough of that going on in not just our church, but in, in the church today. 
it just seems like them knowing God and loving God draws them together in love for one another. Well, how did what 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 was happening in this church as a result of their devotion to God, their devotion to one another? What were the consequences of a devoted church? A, vo- a devoted church moves God to bless its members with joy. We see a very happy people verse 46 and day by day attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes they receive their food with glad and generous hearts praising god having favor with all the people to be a dedicated engaged church member doesn't always feel easy I mean, the church, uh, Ephesians 4, 2 talks about us loving one another. It says, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. It's like the Bible's up front saying, hey, you're going to have to bear with one another. It's not always going to be hard to be dedicated to one another. You're different. You have different things going on. It's not always easy. It's not always easy to, to get, it doesn't always feel easy to get here. You know, I don't know if Lionel Richie is a dedicated church member now, but he wasn't when he wrote Easy Like Sunday Morning. This morning, I chased a two-year-old that had escaped from the bathtub across the house to get her before she got back in bed soaking wet, and I did not succeed. You know, we, we get up and we have to get our kid... If we have kids, we got to get them looking all pretty and nice. And, and then we have to, to come here, and even though we have had a miserable week, we have to put on the face because we can't let anybody to know that we're hurting. And so we got to put on you know, that effort and, and putting on that face. You know, it would be easier just to stay home in bed, sleep late, go fishing. And then, you know, in the afternoon, when you'd rather take a nap, you've got to make a cake for connection group. But, you know, when I think about how sometimes I feel like it's hard to be a dedicated church member, I think about the early church. What we have here in, in the the early churches, first off, people who had to make a huge leap into church membership. That church membership, man, it, it might have meant uh, being ostracized from your family who were Jews and they weren't buying this new Christian thing. It was leaving everything that you knew behind for this new thing. It, it meant probable perse- persecution, especially as it went on. yet they dove deep into fellowship. A seemingly day-to-day interaction with the, with the church, studying and worshiping with one another. They cared for one another, even when it was hard. And I doubt any of our commitment to the church would rival these folks. And how are they characterized? By people that were tired, They were probably tired, but that's not how they're characterized. People tired of having people in their house and cooking meals. They might have been, 
but that's not how they're characterized. They're characterized as people that had glad and generous hearts praising their God. In fact, in the early church, their joy sometimes seems to be insane. We find an instance like that in Hebrews 20, 34, where it says, For you had compassion on those in prison, and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property, since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. Who does that? Who is sitting there being persecuted, having their, their stuff drug out from their house, their house probably set on fire, and out there going, this is awesome. We have a better inheritance. That's how deep their devotion went. So how can I be, have such a bad attitude about getting my kids dressed and getting them here? Or being in church and serving and, and going out and, and reaching others. How can I bemoan the fact when I see these early Christians and their deep devotion to God and His church. Folks, I believe that what awaits us if we would truly and absolutely devote ourselves to God and one another is not exhaustion. It's not exhaustion. It is absolute depth of joy that is undestructible and unshakable. Because that's what they found. We see a devoted church causes God to move to bless its church members with favor. It says praising God and having favor with all the people. We see uh, in, in, in the early church here are people that, that had favor with people. Though there seems to be kind of a turn later when I think the church got too big and people just for whatever reasons, turned against them, as society tends to do sometimes. They root for somebody, and then, and then they don't. We see, at least for a season, that, that the people said, man, those Christians are great. I'm glad they're in Jerusalem. I'm, I'm glad. It's amazing to see how they love each other. There needs to be more love like they love each other. And the way that they love their community, there needs to be other people that love their community like that. I mean, when you get down to it, the message that we proclaim is pretty offensive. I mean, you were so evil. You were so bad that God had to kill his son to make you lovable. I mean, that's not an appealing, wonderful message that, that sparks joy in your heart. It, at first, it's very offensive. And so we, we preach an offensive message. And we live in a world that, that is constantly changing with what truth is, like, that, hey, we need to change and we need to redefine things every other week. And, and, and here we are as a people that are devoted to a book that was written thousands of years ago that we think doesn't change. There's, there's, there is going to be friction. And I think that friction and the way things are going, I think the friction is going to be worse over time. But I think we as a church can still be a place where the community is glad that we're here. In fact, we've already found this to be true as a church. There's a wall in the office area that I really enjoy. Um, I think I, the pictures are here. Here are some things on that wall. 
presented to White Baptist Church by the Salvation Army. They wanted to recognize that we're out there every month uh, feeding the hungry in our town. So they're saying, hey, we're glad that you're here. We're glad that you're in our community. You're glad, we're glad that you're feeding the hungry. Here's another one. Uh, SAU Community Member of the Year. We won this a while back. Okay, Now that's normally a person. And SAU said, you know what? This church, Wyatt Baptist Church, has loved internationals. They've just been so good to the internationals in our school. So we're going to stray from honoring a person this year, uh, a community member of the year. We're going to make a church the community member of the year. Y'all, that, that is worth praising right there. That's an amazing thing that a secular college would say, hey, they're, they're a community member of the year. And then most recently, the Share Foundation and a desire to improve our town looked upon Wyatt and said, Wyatt's in our schools and they're mentoring at-risk kids. We're seeking to prevent crime in our neighborhood. Why would we not help them? Because they're doing a great thing. And they looked and saw what we were doing and they said, we want to be a part, which made it possible for, for Miss Vicki Harmon to now do this full-time and and to get other churches involved, that's an amazing, awesome thing. That is the community looking upon a church and saying, we're glad you're here. Keep doing what you're doing. So let's not act like the world hates us because all we did in these things was seeking to fulfill our commission of of loving God, of loving others, and making disciples of people. And in the midst of our seeking to do our mission, the outside world said, hey, we like those people. Now, that shouldn't be our aim. That is not our aim. But it should encourage our hearts to be a church that the community will look to and say, we're glad they're up there at the corner of Hillsborough and Wyatt. We're glad for those people. They care about us. And we may be heading to a time when, when simply being a faithful church, you know, everybody hates us and that's fine. We'll keep being faithful. But Romans 12, 18 says, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. And so, man, as long as we can love the community and, and have the community encouraged by us, let's seek to do that. Let's, let's seek to be that kind of church. I believe that if we all devoted ourselves to God and we devoted ourselves to each other, we devoted ourselves to loving our community, I, I think we'd run out of wall space of people just glad we're here. Glad we're here. And lastly, commitment to the, to the church generally moves God to bless church members with additions. It says, And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. First thing I want you to notice is that God adds to the church. I love that. I love that. It's a God, the Lord added. You know, it's not up to us with slick preaching or slick gimmicks to try to add to the church or slick programs. It's God. And if we will be a church that lifts up God and lifts up Christ and the gospel, uh, as the scriptures say, lift up Jesus and he will draw men and women to the church. Yeah, we want to be excellent. We want to do the best we can we realize that ultimately additions come from God. We know that God uses faithful churches 
While it's God who adds to the church, it seems that he is moved to add to churches marked by faithfulness and purpose. Later in Acts uh, chapter 11, Jerusalem gets word about, about this church at Antioch that's doing great things. And it says in verse 22, they sent Barnabas to Antioch. And when he came and saw the grace of God, he was glad. And he exhorted them all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. And a great many people were added to the Lord. Now listen to me, just because a church is packed doesn't mean it's faithful. Okay, there are coliseums that are packed this morning in churches that are not faithful because they don't preach the gospel. And just because a church is empty doesn't mean a church is unfaithful. There are churches that because of their location and just because of maybe things that have gone on at this point or are struggling, but the pastor's faithful, the members are faithful, and, and they're just waiting on God to, to, to do something. But we see here that, that oftentimes, especially with the early church, is that when people devoted themselves to God and they devoted themselves to one another, that God added to the church. God added people. He wanted more people. To, he, he brought more people into, through conversion into the church. Don't you want that for Wyatt? Don't you want to be a church that God says, I want more people to be a part of that church? That's a faithful church. They're going to love and disciple well. I want people to be a part of Wyatt. I want to offer you uh, three final uh, challenges for this series that I would like for you to think about responding from this series. Um, First off, if you're here and you're not a covenant church member, um, I'd love for you to do that. Whether you're, uh, no matter where you are in the process, if you've, you're waiting to uh, meet with a pastor to give your testimony, um, or whether you need to take uh, the Membership Matters class, um, whatever that next step is, if you've been attending here a while, hey, if there's a hang-up, come talk to us. Let's see if we can figure it out. And if Watts just not a place you can commit to, I would encourage you to find that place, to find a church that you can be all in at, that you could be a member, uh, that you could be uh, a, a covenant member, to covenant with a group of people to do what this early church was doing. I encourage you to, to do that. Second, if you are a member, examine your commitment. And look at the obvious surface things. Um, examine your service. Are you serving? Are you giving back uh, at Wyatt? Examine your attendance. Sit down and think about really how often are you here in a month? And just ask if that commitment is, is what you think your family needs and what, what, what it needs to, to be faithful and to, to be all that God's called you to be. Examine your giving. Your finances a lot of times show uh, where our heart is. And so re-examine your giving uh, to the church. Are you at least giving that tithe that um, is a great starting place? And then just a very concrete way that I want to challenge you is I want to challenge everybody, every member, every day between noon and 
and one. Okay? At some point, I want you to pray. Okay? You don't have to pray the full hour, but at some point, because I, I did noon just because sometimes you, you're praying over your lunch or you're, uh, you got a little bit of time at work, maybe. Uh, but if you can, to take a moment, okay, and, and pray for all. I want you to pray that God would give you all in God. I want you to pray that God will give your pastors an all for God. Because we need it too. We need to set the standard. We need to be men that are going hard after God because we are mesmerized by Him. We'll never be a healthy church without pastors that are awed by God. And then third, as our church as a whole that we would all have an all for God. All is just not something you can buy. It's not something you can manipulate. It's something that you simply can ask God to do in your life to begin to captivate and amaze your heart with himself. Okay? There probably, you have a smartphone, there are probably a hundred apps out there or more that, that will give you some type of reminder every day from 12 to 1. Maybe it's just you make it a point when you pray over your lunch to pray for all, for yourself, for your pastors, and for your church. And let's see what God does. Just through us praying for ourselves and praying for one another, that God would awaken a sense of awe. Because I believe fully that if that happens, all the other issues of membership and commitment take care of themselves. Because I think that's what we see in the early church. That once the offer God hit, man, it was over for them. They didn't want anything else but God in his church. I'm going to ask uh, our musicians to come, and I'm going to ask you to, to stand. So, again, if you're not a member, we would love to see that happen in your life. We would love to have you a part of Wyatt. If there's something holding you back, please let us know. Let's talk about it. Two, examine your commitment to the church as a church membership. And three, simply pray every day for all. And I would encourage you, even during this time of invitation, to start that prayer for all. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I pray that we would all be awakened with a sense of all. God, I pray that, God, the problem is not you. The problem is with our eyes. The problem is with our hearts that we don't see you and understand who you really are and who we really are. So God, I pray that you would open up the eyes of our minds and our hearts that we might truly be moved by how big and amazing and beautiful and dangerous and loving and wrathful you are, God. God, help and all of you to filter down into every area of our life that we may be devoted to you and devoted to one another. In Jesus' name I pray.